you didn't notice Gracie was spraying, spraying the kids with a bottle of water, so you're lucky she didn't come down the aisle spraying you as well. If we haven't met, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bell Mead. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here. Gracie said, invited you to fill out a yellow visitor card in the pew rack in front of you, and we would love for you to do that and hand it to us in the narthex on your way out, where we have a gift for you. We want to say hello again to the people joining us online. We're also glad that you're here, and we want to remind you that our online pastor, Rachel, is there to greet you. Today, we are starting a new three-week sermon series called Fear Not, or as I am lovingly labeling this month, No Fear February. January was for ordering our life around the essentials of faith. We talked about transformation and surrender, community and rest, and so February is for bungee jumping. (laughs) That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) As we begin to talk about fear, here are some of our starting places. Psychologists say that fear is one of the seven universal emotions experienced by everyone around the world. You might ask, okay, well, what are the other emotions? They say those are anger, contempt, disgust, enjoyment, sadness, and surprise. And so if you tell us that you have no fear, we know that you are lying. Fear arises with the threat of harm, either physical, emotional, or psychological, real or imagined. While traditionally fear has been seen as a negative emotion, we know that it actually serves an important role in keeping us safe and mobilizing us to cope with our environment. So you've heard fight or flight, that we have these natural responses to real or imagined fear. As we look at fear in scripture, it's important that we say that fear is not unnatural and fear is not wrong. Almost everyone that God calls responds immediately with fear. I'm not capable of that. I'm not good enough for that. We have to start with saying fear is not the absence of faith. You can't just pour more faith on top of fear and ignore that very real threat and feeling, but faith empowers us to move forward in life in spite of our fear, to step out with courage even when we are trembling. As we look at today's story, we see this intermingling of faith and fear and what the storms of life have to teach us. Gracie and the kids really did a great uh, retelling, so I'm going to skip that part of my sermon. Uh, And start with this, you know, we're told in the scripture that there's a squall. A squall is defined as a sudden violent gust of wind or a localized storm, especially one that brings on rain, snow, or sleet. It has this huge element of surprise. It comes in fast. And so you can imagine how terrifying that must have felt to the disciples while out in the middle of a body of water. They had good reason to go from zero to 100. Perhaps some of you have experienced this in nature before. Maybe you've been on a camping trip, Scouts, and you've got caught outdoors with heavy rain and you're trying to figure out what to do. Maybe some of you have been driving in a car when all of a sudden the tornado warning pops on and you're looking for a safe place. 
I remember when I started dating my partner, Mark, the very beginning, uh, I went to visit his family in Austin, Texas, and they took us out on their boat in uh, the middle of Lake Austin. And out of nowhere, it started to pour down rain and the wind was howling and the water was incredibly choppy. And in my experience, (laughs) looking back, it felt like we were flying like 10 feet above the water every time there was a wave. And I kept thinking, I just met these people and they're trying to kill me. (laughs) It isn't wrong or uncommon for fear to suddenly come on or be elevated from non-existent to a state of panic. But this story does have a moment of rebuke in it. If the disciples are at 100, Jesus is at zero. And that feels a little odd to me. Surely he felt what they felt. He was seeing what they were looking at. So what was it that he was trying to convey? Perhaps Jesus was leading them by example. He was mirroring what is possible when we find ourselves overcome with fear, whether it is sudden fear or that fear that creeps into our minds when we put our head on the pillow and we start to worry. Maybe Jesus is saying, you're capable of staying calm. You're capable of assessing the situation, that we don't have to fall into these worst case scenario spirals. We do not have to give ourselves over to the winds of worry. Maybe Jesus is saying, there's a way to be steady, to lean on your resources, the tools in which God has given you. This week, as we talked about this story in our staff meeting, Gracie brought up the perspective of her kids as they're aging. You know, as our kids get older, they go to middle school and high school and college or, you know, they finally move out of our basements. I know that somebody today had a kid living in their basement and now they're like, praise Jesus, they're gone. Right, whatever it is, the stage of life and growing up and moving on, we have to let them weather their own storms. We can't jump in and save them in every scenario. We can't keep them from experiencing harm. We can't save all the good emotions and push away the hard ones. We can't shelter them from the horrible things in this world. We cannot fix all their problems because we know that if we do, They never develop their own self-confidence and self-worth. They never become self-sufficient. They never learn how to process their emotions and work through their difficulties. If we shelter them one day, they're gonna be shell-shocked and seasick when they encounter the harsh realities of this life. You know, in a very minute way, I experienced this yesterday, seriously, as I was thinking about it. Mark, my husband and I took our kids to the Belmont Bruins basketball game and we found seats in the best spot, which is beside the band. Um, We danced to the music, we ate M&Ms and popcorn. We laughed because my one and a half year old daughter is not shy at all and she walked down the pews, up the pews. (laughs) She walked down the row saying, hey, hey, and she was like touching strangers. (laughs) We're like, we're so sorry. But near the end of the game, my four and a half year old son, Lewis, wanted a balloon, not just like any balloon, but those kind that you gotta stand in line for while they twist into different shapes. And so we stood there in that line for probably 10 minutes, 
uh, until the guy in front of me walked up and tried to show the balloon maker his ticket to the game. And the guy who was making balloons was like, I'm sorry, that's not the ticket you need. You need this little blue ticket. And so I came up to the guy and I was like, what blue ticket are you talking about? Uh, Trying to keep my son from hearing from what I was saying. And he said, well, we have to leave soon. So we handed out these blue tickets and I'm sorry, we, we aren't gonna build any more balloons if you don't have a ticket. So I turned to my four and a half year old son and I said, man, I'm really sorry, buddy, but we don't have a blue ticket and they don't have any more left and we're not gonna get a balloon today. You know what, I didn't even give him time to react. I picked him up and like held him close. I was like, it's okay, we'll get a balloon next time, you know? Just sheltering him from this disappointment of not getting a balloon. You know, Jesus doesn't immediately pop up on the boat. And maybe it's because he's given the disciples time to figure out things for themselves. Maybe he's helping them to develop the tools they need to weather the storms, the disappointment of life. Maybe this is a reminder for us, both to let other people sail their own ship and the reminder that we have what we need when we are facing the storms of life. But that can be really hard when it's not just one storm. Sometimes we feel like the waves just keep coming Sometimes we feel like we're stuck in an undertow that we can't get out of. I don't think that I'm one of those people that stacks suffering together and just sees one negative thing after the next. But I have to tell you that sometimes it's hard to avoid that viewpoint. And I have felt that way lately. And I know that some of you have felt that way lately because in our church family, we have had six deaths since Christmas Eve some of which were very sudden, like a squall that came out of nowhere. So we have this collective experience of weariness, right? And even if you don't feel that in relation relation to these deaths in our church, some of you do feel the waves of sickness, the waves of stress, school, work, doctor visits, aging parents, And so maybe when it comes to fear, there's a third F, fight, flight, faith. Now I'm not saying that there aren't elements of fight and flight and faith, they're not mutually exclusive, but what I am saying is that faith is about believing in what we cannot see. Faith has an element of letting go, of trusting, of surrendering. Faith is what we cling to as Christians when we finally admit that we have so little control in life. They tell you that if you are really stuck in an undertow, that the only way out is to stop fighting, is to stop resisting, to surrender to the waves until you can swim parallel to the shore. And so maybe when warms one step storm after the next is threatening us, we have to surrender instead of fight. Maybe we have to counter what is extra hard in our life with what is extra gentle. Put ourselves at ease, slow down, say no, 
surround ourselves with items of comfort, be so calm that we are almost asleep. When I zoomed out and I looked at the stories that surround today's story, this is what I saw. First, if you look at just our story, Jesus calms the storm. There's this frantic moment on the sea and then it's uh, turned to stillness, the waves subside. But what is also happening in that story is that Jesus is delivering the disciples from one side to the other. He actually says, I'm taking you to the other side. Now, when Jesus gets to the other side, he encounters a man who has many demons who live within him, a man, uh, demons that make him frantic. He lives in the tombs of the town. He's naked. He's chained up. The text says the demons keep breaking the chains, but then Jesus comes and he takes him to the other side. Jesus breaks his chains once and for all. Then Jesus heals a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. She follows him through the crowd and she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And because of her faith, because of her audacity to come after him, he turns around and says, your faith is what heals you. And then Jesus brings a young girl, Jairus' daughter, from death to life. He actually says, stop wailing. She is not dead. She is asleep. In every situation, there's a journey from squalls to silence, from shrills to salvation, from suffering to cessation, from slumber to standing. Some of you uh, more adventurous types might have heard of a body of water called the Drake Passage. The Drake Passage is between South America and Antarctica. Uh, it is where the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean meet. Now, because of that, it is this massive convergence of waves and winds and currents. It's one of the world's most rough, frightening passages with waves that top 40 feet. People who write about it say you have to prepare for the Drake shake. Now, those who wish to visit Antarctica can either take that Drake Passage by boat or they can fly over it. And like me, you might say, that flight sounds great. <laughs> but people talk about the Drake Passage as this rite of passage, as this way to truly see the beauty of Antarctica that no other experience can give you. They say that you see wildlife up close, like whales and penguin colonies and rare species of birds and seals and polar bears with their cubs that you witness sunrise and sunset with this backdrop of icy white glaciers and clear as glass blue seas. That actually in the middle of that passage, you come alive from the fear of the waves, but you're not overcome because there's a steady crew who knows what they're doing. You know, sometimes we don't get a choice in what we journey through and sometimes we do, but our faith is what allows us to believe and trust 
that just past the rough sea is a beauty that we could not have grasped or appreciated or understood by any other route. Even when the journey is hard and scary and dangerous, we can choose to press forward with faith. Why? Because we have a steady savior who knows what he's doing and we can trust him to deliver us to the other side, to take us from squalls to silence, from shrills to salvation, from suffering to cessation, from slumber to standing. Thanks be to God, amen.